0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. The Noel Kassler podcast. Episode 29 is in your ears right now. I'm back here with my main man, Jimmy Kennedy. Going to break down the week's events, catch up a little bit and have some fun. So thanks for joining us. How are you doing today, Jimmy?
1: I'm doing good, Noel. Fresh off of your uh, first show, buddy. How did it go?
0: Yeah, well, not my first show in life. Well- first show of the Unverified Tour. Exactly. It was awesome, man. A lot of people came out, a lot of podcast listeners. Some of them said to say hello to you, Jimmy. They got some t shirts and they had a bunch of laughs. And, uh, you know, it was a great crowd. There was a lot of love in the audience and it couldn't have been at a nicer venue. It's the Rams head, which is a venue I love. It's a institution down there in Annapolis. It's been there forever and every national act you can think of has been through there, you know, mm. the walls of the place are just like a who's who of music legends and the good stuff too. And it was great. Like before the show, I was a little nervous and I look on the wall next to the dressing room and there's a picture of Graham Nash smiling. <laughs> so I felt like my my rock and roll uncles were looking down on me and, and smiling. So it was great. I mean, from start to finish, it was amazing. About 70 minutes set. My opener was great. Peter Sullivan, he kicked it off perfectly and a good time was had and annapolis is a great town man you would like it jimmy i know you like that kind of cape cod like nautical thing since you're you know so (laughs) close to the ocean there in indiana but uh i'm not sure if you know about annapolis it's where the naval academy is you know it's sort of like a harbor off of the chesapeake bay on the severn river so it's just you know it's the sailing capital of the united states believe it or not it's like some serious sailing and i did a bit about sailing and they also have a badass mayor who's up for reelection his name's gavin buckley and he's an australian jimmy and he sailed to annapolis with 200 in his pocket by himself from australia wow. and opened some restaurants there in town and then became the mayor of the town and he's very popular and uh, how badass is that dude, you know, just setting <laughs> off to a foreign country from Australia, by the way, that's not like I sailed down from Nantucket, <laughs> you know? yeah I mean, that's yeah. like several oceans and stuff you 're crossing to get there. It's pretty amazing
1: that's uh yeah, that's a modern voyage dude. Um, my uncle, uh, till this point, is still involved with the secret service, so i've I've been out to Annapolis. they lived uh, in there, he worked in d c And we went to go see a Bayhawks lacrosse game uh, in Annapolis. You know, they have a professional lacrosse team, and it was really cool to get to see it. And went to several spots in Baltimore and the surrounding area. It was
0: really cool to see family and visit them out there. It's a cool place. So an awesome place. And, uh, you know, like you mentioned, it's right outside of D.C. So we came home yesterday. I'm taping this on Sunday. So, no, we came back on Friday. But – they had another MAGA rally on Saturday and it was a dud, you know, it, good chuckle, man, cause it's worth laughing at these idiots, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and Trump and Bannon and those guys apparently told them people not to show up or something like, it's a trap, don't go. Cause they knew nobody was gonna show up and it was gonna be embarrassing. And it was, you know, it was embarrassing and it should be embarrassing. It should be a humiliation for anybody who's going back and still buying this bullshit. Okay, those guys (laughs) on January 6th were terrorists. They were domestic terrorists. You know, they were no better than Al Qaeda and the Taliban and any of these people that you waved your flags and thought you were fighting for the last 20 years. You've joined them. You're in a cult. You're a moron. And even worse, like Middle Eastern terrorists are getting manipulated with religion. These idiots are getting manipulated by a 70-year-old drug addict in diapers. You know what I mean? Who's just trying to pay for his legal bills and pay for the empty office space in his tower and jerk off thinking about his daughter <laughs> every day. You know what I mean? He could care less about these people. And yeah, they wrap it up in Christo-fascist kind of bullshit, but that's all, that's all a bunch of lies too. You think Jesus wants you carrying a gun, you know, and being a misogynistic asshole telling women they can't have abortions? Of course not. So you're getting played so hard and you know, I was going to try to not get angry on this week's podcast, you know, but it it's I guess there that goes out the window. But it, you know, it's laughable. We should really just laugh at them. The only danger is there's so much stupidity in this country right now and they've been manipulated so hard that in this last week, in the last seven days, we've got a million new COVID cases. Mm -hmm. It should be gone by now, and it's not. You know, when I did this show, Jimmy, I had to tell the club, like, everybody has to show their vaccination card at the door. You know, and you have to wear a mask inside. That wasn't the policy down there. They were kind of pissed at me, to be honest. When I walked in, I got a little bit attitude because they weren't used to wearing masks. And they were like, oh, now I got to put on a mask. And this is Maryland. You know, this is the bluest of the blue states. They have a Republican governor who's very popular and he's a good dude. But, um, they were sort of like in the mindset that they're past it and they should be because they have a low case rate, but we're not past it, is my point, you know, Mm -hmm. and if I'm going to show up in public, I don't want anybody getting sick coming to see me for a comedy show because it's not worth it. So normally we wouldn't have to institute something like this, this late in the game. You know, when I booked this tour, this thing was over, right? It was in June. We hadn't heard of the Delta yet or whenever the Delta, (laughs) you know, you know, or may, I think, you know, but I guess June it started coming out, but like, my point is when I book these shows I have this fall, like we weren't thinking about the Delta variant. We we're thinking everybody's getting vaxxed and we're getting past this thing. You know, and now we're surging again. There's entire states that, where the hospitals are full. People are dying. You know, in North Carolina, they're getting freezer trucks to put people in because they're out of morgue space. That's mm-hmm. pathetic and disgusting, you know, and we're behind the rest of the world now in vaccinations. We're a disaster and it's because of this same thing. It's because mm-hmm. they're letting these people get manipulated. Fox News is giving them this BS every night. And the club was great, by the way. I'm not dissing them. They were like, sure, we'll do that. But parts of this country, it's like, it's almost like they want to move on because they did the right thing and they're intelligent. But these other population centers that are full on red states, you know, Florida and all this stuff, you can't trust anything because you don't know where people are coming from. You know, Mm -hmm. I check in a hotel and get in an elevator. I don't know where you're getting in the elevator from with me. I don't know that you didn't just drive up from South Carolina. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't trust our fellow Americans to be vaccinated because they drove a wedge between us and it became a political issue. And it's not going to end well, Jimmy. You know, you sent me that picture <laughs> yesterday. I saw a picture yeah. of a Penn State football game.
1: Dude. Yesterday. Right? Coming a whiteout, out, like in the entire stadium packed to the brim, bro. Unreal. Right. Last and night. that's
0: Pennsylvania. That's the Northeast. You know what I, I'm saying? Pennsylvania is an hour away from here or whatever. You know, that's a border of New York. Right. Like, and it's insane. What is somehow COVID doesn't exist down there? The Delta <laughs> doesn't exist. Like, are they all practicing, like, safe protocols? Are they staying 10 feet apart at the COVID, you know, party afterwards? (laughs) You see them next to each other in the stadium. God knows what's happening at night. Yeah. (laughs)
1: Well, I I went to college, you know. Germs are being exchanged in in a healthy time, you know. So I can't imagine the amount of germs that are getting exchanged during a pandemic. And you have kids going home for, you know, Thanksgiving vacation within a couple of months. It's not like this thing's going to go away in a couple of months the carryover from this week is going to show up in two weeks from now
0: with the numbers. It's just going to keep getting exponentially worse with each week, you know? Well, exactly. That's what happens. That's, and, and we're going to be in trouble when the fall hits, when the cold yeah. weather hits, you know, when you're coming into flu and cold season anyway, mm-hmm. you No, know, because we're outside now, like, and that's probably the thinking is that like, well, they're outside and let's be real. It's not really outside. And you're going through tight hallways to get from where you're sitting in the stadium to, back out to the parking lot. So a stadium isn't really technically outside. You spend a lot of time inside. And, and the other thing, when you sent me that video, Jimmy, is like, how, is, how are they not paying NCAA athletes? Uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, how is that anything but a professional thing? They had fireworks. You know what I mean? The fans are in uniforms and like waving shit in the air. It would, that was as much a production as the Super Bowl, you know, and they're making millions of dollars off of that tens of millions of dollars and and they're not paying these guys that are Mm -hmm. ruining their bodies most of them aren't going to end up in the NFL most of them and even the talented ones get hurt while they're in college that's it game over you know and they're not sitting there applying themselves in classes not that they're not capable of that it's just that the demands of being a pro athlete what are you (laughs) going to think about your game on Sunday or your history like thesis that you're supposed to be writing
1: and you had, I think it was uh, North Carolina Chapel Hill a few years ago. They got in real trouble. They did have a law school that argued on their behalf for this, but they had football players taking Swahili to remain eligible. That's kind of what the MO is for a majority of these schools is to keep your star players eligible, pass them with a, you know, an easy degree. Uh, I'm not saying that, you know, certain degrees have different rigors, For education but if you're going to have the demands of football you can only have so much education delivered on the back end
0: yeah exactly yeah that's what i mean so pay them it's fine pay them give them another three years to go to school when football season ends or something figure it out you know give them a lifetime to come back and get free classes or something you know there's a way to make it equitable but at the very least they should be paid because they're participating in a professional event that's on network television you know or on this espn or whatever these package channels people are paying for that you know and people are making money off it and you know it's a gladiator sport let's be honest these aren't college kids 30 years ago they're nfl level size and muscle which means injuries like we all know that Playing football is almost akin to boxing or something. You're going to damage your brain. And the NFL made that as, you know, they tried to hide that as long as they could. <laughs> but, you know, you're <laughs> going to pay with your brain. I've met a lot of those pro guys and it's it's sad, you know, you and you see the old ones that are retired. It's it's sad. But um. so it's just but it's another, you know, it's, it's our country, right? It's about commercialism. You know, let's pretend. COVID Delta doesn't exist right now because it's football season and there's money to be made and we got some (laughs) car commercials we need to show you. So we need it to look like everybody's having a good time and they are having a good time, but it's not over. We're not past this thing because you let an idiot who wanted to divide this country named Donald Trump take full control of the GOP. And let's, you know, it's not hard to do that because these are feckless men. You know, these are men like Mike Pence, who wanted to overturn the thing and called up Dan Quayle, your neighbor there, Jimmy, you yeah. know, Mr. Potato, right? <laughs> boys are back in town, boys. Exactly, he called yeah. up Dan Quayle and was like, hey, can I do this? You yeah. know, Mr. Trump wants me to overturn the election. You, I can do this, right? And Dan Quayle's like, no, you can't do that. <laughs> There's no way you can do that, dude. I can't even believe you're asking me this. You know, and finally, Pence got the message from Dan Quayle, went to Trump and said, hey, you know, I can't do this. There's just no way constitutionally I could do this. And Trump was still like, yes, you can. Yeah, you can do this. You know, they're having this conversation in the White House, you know, which is (laughs) insane. And Trump's like, yes, you can. And finally, Pence put his foot down. Not really, (laughs) but was like, I can't do it. Sorry, sir. And then Trump goes, well, I can't be your friend anymore if you can't do this. And a lot of people on Twitter interpreted that like, oh, what an immature little child. I can't be your friend anymore. Like somebody on the playground. That's not the message that Trump was saying. Right. Right. That was saying, like, you no longer have the protection of my crime family. Mm. You know, that's Omarata. That's the five families kind of stuff. You get the blessing of your godfather and then you become untouchable in those circles and once you fall out of favor with your criminal organization you're on your own that's how they keep people involved in this stuff and doing the bidding right they say hey go whack this guy go whack tony and you're like i don't want to whack tony he's my cousin (laughs) He makes the best ZD in brooklyn well if you don't whack tony i'm not going to be your friend anymore which means you're going to get whacked next and what happened What Mm -hmm. happened a mere weeks after Pence stood up to Trump and said, I can't do it. Trump tried to get Pence hung, Mm. hung, Jimmy. They brought mm -hmm. they brought a uh, what do you call it? A gallows, dude. Who happens to have a gallows? (laughs) We're going to, you know, going to a rally on the mall. I got some wood. I got a drill. (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm going to build a gallows and hang this motherfucker. That's what they were trying to do. And Pence still acquiesced which my point is Trump owns that party. He owns these guys, but here's the good news. They're a bunch of fucking fools. Okay. So if the DOJ ever grows a pair themselves and stands up to them, which I don't think they're going to do. I think Merrick Garland is a, is in on this stuff as much as anybody, to be honest with you. I've said it before Obama picked him because he knew that like, he's one of them. Right. McConnell and those guys are like, well, they're surely not going to have a problem with this guy. He's a <laughs> fucking, you know, the Opus Day kind of conservative dude, you know, whatever. He's not going to do it, but the people will do it is my point. U- ultimately, I'm trying to deliver you a positive message saying they're on their way out. They've become such cartoon characters at this point. And yeah, sure. People are still buying it, but those people are dying. You know what I mean? Those people are dying off. So as soon as somebody comes along and it won't be Merrick Garland, but it, the next attorney general stands up to the NRA, stands up to these people. And obviously, we're going to get comments. I love Merrick Garland. I know that a <laughs> lot of people have ultimate faith in our justice system. And those tend to be white people, right? Because it works yeah. for you if you're a white person. Nah. African-American folks are like, yeah, no, that's a fucking scam. You know, <laughs> whitey going a white, right? Because people mm-hmm. get away with this crap. And that's what they're protecting, is they're protecting this patriarchal kind of system where commerce and you do the right thing and say the right thing, you advance. That's mm-hmm. how we got a Brett Kavanaugh, who is as crooked as the day is long, right? <laughs> but we will change this, because the next generation is not going to buy this shit. You know, right. the ones that are paying attention, your generation, Jimmy, will We're change Right. My generation has, and and the boomers ahead of me, they kind of like the way things are. Let's not rock the boat too much. I got a lot of 401k in the market. I got a nice house. I want to buy that other house to retire to, you know, let's not do it. That's why they're mad at AOC, right? AOC, tax the rich. There's not a woman more beautiful than... oh. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez in my book I mean she is just stunning and I mean that is who she is as a person I'm not just talking yes. about her physical beauty which is stunning if you looked at her in that dress she was just amazing like a movie yeah. star yeah. and that dress was badass she wore that on the met that you know on the stairs of the met that's my neighborhood Jimmy you know yeah, I live right. up uh, a couple blocks up on Fifth Avenue you know when I'm in the city which I, which I fled, <laughs> but I'm still there every day. But that's my hood, right? That's right. across the street from Bernie Madoff's old apartment, looks down on it. You know, the Koch brothers are around the corner. Well, yeah. Charles Koch is dead and David Koch's out in Kansas, but they still have property. Charles's wife is in a townhouse around the corner. They still have their place at 740 Park Avenue. That is the nest. That is the layer of the kind of generational wealth that pulls the strings. Right. The people that really don't want things to change are all right there. You know, and the Met Gala is the pageantry of that. It's not a bad organization. You know, it raises a lot of money for the Met, which has an endowment that's ridiculous anyway. It's not like they're losing money. But, you know, my point is she got a lot of pushback for that. But she's the generation that's going to change things. That's the radicalism you need you know, and I went to high school at Lakeland High School up here in Westchester. She went to Yorktown High School, which is the same town, essentially. Lakeland is in Yorktown, Shrub Oak, and and, and that was our rival high school. Like, we used to play them in lacrosse and everything, you know, and she moved up from the Bronx to go to high school there and didn't have a great experience from what I've read about her, because, you know, it's kind of a white upper middle class area, not rich, but It's where cops and firemen and, you know, it's Trump voters now. It's all the people (laughs) I went to high school with love Trump. Not all of them. And some of them came to my show, you know, down in Annapolis last week and they're coming to my next show in Connecticut. But it's what I've talked about earlier on other episodes. It's that kind of it's the demographic that fled the city in the 70s and stuff that kind of came up into the suburbs and have that kitchen table racism. That say the things that they you know they consider themselves good people, but they don't understand Black Lives Matter movement. What all cops are good? Because the cop (laughs) down the street is great. And he let our son off when he got a DWI and called us instead of booking him. And a lot of these cops are good people. If you know them, you're good people. They're good people to you. People don't want to look at systematic racism and systematic privilege because they're like, I'm not that privileged. I don't have that bass boat I want. You know, I don't have a house in the Hamptons. I have to go to work every day. Yeah, you do, but you still have a lot of privilege.
1: Yeah, we're just trying to fulfill the social contract for everybody at this point, man. Like an even playing field on a basic social contract. But let me uh, react to Mike Pence, because I couldn't believe reading that excerpt from that book, man. I mean, you're the sitting vice president of the United States. How does that thought even go to your head that I'm going to call Dan Quayle, a guy who's in my position in the 1980s, looking for justification, you know? Uh, hey, man, listen, I'm thinking about not certifying the votes on the 6th. And uh, I'm just kind of wanting to pick your brain, see if there's any wiggle room there. Give Karen to me a call. We look forward to seeing you. You know, like you can't make that phone call, let alone have that conversation. But you just talked about it, man. They think that they're privileged individuals and they are. They They got away with it.
0: Of course, they got away with it. They got away with it. And because the whole system is kind of designed to let them get away with it, right? Sure. You know, Bob Woodward finds this out. He doesn't exactly run out and tell people. He waits till the book comes out and leaks it in an excerpt. Do you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? How much stuff gets revealed? It's what I told people like with my stuff, you know, with the I, I said, look, anything I'm telling you about Trump, you're going to hear about in the coming years. You're just going to have to buy a book to hear about it because nobody's going to talk about it at the time. They're going to talk about it when they can make a buck off it. That's the system. General Milley, you know, who had to tell he's the joint chiefs of staff. He had to tell like his other generals, like if you get an order to bomb somebody with a nuclear bomb, don't follow it. Call me first because he didn't trust Trump enough, you know, and and he's a hero for doing that, you know, and obviously the right now is like, well, he should be court-martialed. You know, he disobeyed the chain of command. Well, he had to. What are you going (laughs) to let Trump bomb China? And when I started speaking out, you know, in my comedy set in like 2017 or 18 or whatever, I would tell people, look, I don't care that he does Adderall. What I'm trying to tell you is that he's an active addict. It's the addiction. It's the isms underneath it, that he's only thinking about himself and he has no grasp of humanity. He's a psychopath. And I I would always tell people because they'd come up to me after shows and clubs and be like, is this real? And I said, yeah. (laughs) And what you need to understand is the guy I know would blow up the world to save face. He would do it if he thought he was gonna get embarrassed. That's Hmm. why Putin owns him because Putin has all these Trumps of, you know, videos of Trump slapping underage girls around and stuff in (laughs) Moscow and in Trump Tower. Trump Hmm. is a filthy predator pedophile. That was no secret. You know, he hung out with Jeffrey Epstein for years in his townhouse. He likes to beat up young girls. A girl testified to that, a 13 year old, as everyone knows. And the case went away when Trump got elected, but it's a true story. Anyone who heard her testimony and knows Trump knows exactly that's how he talks and how he rolls. You know. And I asked everybody I knew who worked with him and they all believed it. Do you think Trump is, ca-? of course he is. He's a psycho, he's a sadist, right? And he would have blown up the world. And that's why Putin had him because Putin was like, I'll drop these tapes. You do what I say. That's what the Helsinki visit was about. You know, and that's why Trump ate the minutes of the interpreter, took the minutes, because he didn't want people knowing about that. So my point is, embarrassment, you know, humiliation, and uh, uh, being perceived as not powerful is a threat in his mind enough that he he'd wipe out a nation, no hmm. problem. He'd nuke anybody he could. And Millie knew that. <sighs> Millie's not a dumb guy. Millie knows how to read people. That's his job. He's a strategist. He's general. So Melly was like, if this guy calls you up, don't do anything. And and he had to tell his counterpart in China months before the thing, before the election that like, no, we're not going to nuke you. Don't worry. Trump's not going to start a war with China because the Chinese thought he was gonna. That's how Mm -hmm. batshit crazy a leader we had. And that guy's still walking around grifting people He's on his golf course today doing God knows what. He should have been in jail 20 years ago, right? He should have been in jail for rape in the 80s and 90s. But there was no will, let alone for mob ties or for money laundering. But nobody wanted to go after him because it's part of the system. Other people make money off him and you take him down, you take down the people around him and people don't want that to happen. Why rock the boat? Because my buddy's got a contract at that law firm and whatever, you know, so. My point is he's walking free. He's a dangerous man. And everybody, everybody, Jimmy, who's ever done business with him or been associated with him knows that Jeff Zucker knew that Jeff Zucker loves Donald Trump because Donald Trump helped pay for Jeff Zucker's divorce, you know, and his next house in the Hamptons. Jeff Zucker's getting divorced, got divorced last year, you know, probably because his wife was like, fuck this guy. You know, he let this monster exist. Jeff knew all about this stuff at NBC Entertainment. Everybody did. If the grip knows the guy's a scumbag, trust me, the head of the network knows it too. That's how this stuff works. Okay, but there's money to be made. And you could see that yesterday, how disappointed the mainstream media was that nobody showed up. They wanted trouble. They wanted (laughs) skirmishes because then everybody's turning on the TV on a beautiful Saturday. Instead, yeah. nothing happened. And you got to watch SpaceX splash down in a water somewhere, off of Florida. <laughs> you know? Oh, look, Bezos or whoever on SpaceX, Elon Musk, right? Oh, yeah. Right. Exactly. God, screw that guy. Talk about a Bond villain. But anyway, it's so it's a scam, Jimmy, but it's running out of steam. Here's my
1: question to you, because you're you've been around these folks. You know how the business works. If they know that it's losing steam and they'll continue to cover them as long as it makes money. But Don't we have an obligation to cover Trump to some extent just because of how dangerous he is? Or is it better if we don't cover him and don't say anything about what he's saying?
0: No, no, you have to cover him. And that's an interesting point. I'm glad you raised it because I'll block you right away. If you come at me on Twitter and you're like, I don't want to hear about Trump. Stop posting about him. Well, stop following me then, (laughs) you know, because I'm going to talk about it because not hearing about him or talking about it is even more dangerous. And there's a difference, you know, They weren't covering Trump. They were covering the morons that showed up on the mall yesterday, dressed like Moses, you know, thinking that the January David Crackett, Right. Exactly. They were covering the freak show, but covering Trump, you know, what David Fahrenheit and all these people are doing, you have to cover because people don't really pay attention to the news in this country. A lot of people do, but most people don't. Right. Most people had no idea who Donald Trump was in 2016. They thought he was the guy from The Apprentice who was a billionaire, who was some business genius. They didn't know he'd been broke three or four times in his life, right? That The Apprentice was the biggest paycheck he'd gotten in years, that he wasn't really a billionaire. That's why his children were on the show. Real billionaires don't put their kids on game shows, bro. You're not judging Little John's pop-up shop in Times Square if you're really the daughter of a billionaire. You're riding dressage horses, you know, (laughs) like, you know, you're racing cars in Monaco. You're not hanging out with daddy in a fake boardroom on Sunday nights on NBC. It's a scam, right? But people trust the images they see on TV. You know, that, that's a big part of our nation and it ties into that commercialism. We've been trained, you know, we're like seals that balance a ball on our noses for a fish, right? Yeah. We want the next shiny thing. We don't really wanna see how stuff works. And people didn't understand who Trump was. And the media wasn't really that interested in painting a clear picture in 2016, right? Hillary Clinton wasn't going to bite back that hard. So they were like, let's go after her. Let's go after her emails. They didn't tell people about Trump. There was articles written about it, but it wasn't front page news. You know, and, and I told Hillary's campaign what I knew. And they were pretty confident they were going to win. So they're like, all right, we'll put you in touch with People Magazine. And I gave People an article and they didn't put it out. They did a cover story on Nancy O'Dell's divorce that week instead. Right. And then the Access Hollywood thing came and everyone, you know, that should have been it. You want a guy who speaks about women that way as your president? And he was able to explain it away with locker room talk. That's what he told people, Jimmy. Well, that's just locker room talk. Boys will be boys. And that's that's sad. You know, and and it speaks to the larger issue of how we treat women in this country, how much misogyny exists in this country that you're willing to accept that. And people will say, oh, well, what if it was your mother or your daughter or something? No. What if it was just a woman you didn't even know? Why don't you respect women as much as you do men? Why would you talk about them in such an objectifying way? And why do you want some rapey douchebag who speaks like that becoming president? I hate all that kind of stuff. I hated the term. Let me hit it. You know how people say, I would hit that. No, I wouldn't. Like, why (laughs) do you even talk that way? And, 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 you know, and women get into that stuff too. Like, I don't even understand sexuality now. Like, why (laughs) does somebody want to get choked? What, like, what is wrong? You know, where are we going as a culture? What is violence? Like Game of Thrones was like violent porn. Like I liked Game of Thrones, you know, but every show has like a scene that just takes it too far. I'm getting off on a tangent there, but my point was like, the mainstream media never had a cash cow like they got with Donald Trump. Mm. In this, you know, 2015, when those debates started and he started talking about Megyn Kelly and all these disgusting things he was saying, a light bulb went off and they're like, this guy has people (laughs) tuning in to debates in the middle of the summer, right? And he rode those coattails and Trump knows how it works better than anybody. And he knows how to keep his name in the headlines. So to answer your question, You have to cover him. Everybody doesn't have to cover him, okay? But the people who are sort of good at it need to stay on his ass until he's locked up. And he'll never be locked up. He'll never be locked up. Jeff Bezos is not gonna release The Apprentice outtakes. I probably get three messages a week, Jimmy. Hey, what do you think? You think Bezos is gonna, no, Bezos is not gonna do that. He bought MGM. He's buying a property. Why is he gonna degrade his investment? Why is he going to tell you, hey, this company I just bought kept this stuff from you, (laughs) you know, (laughs) for 10 years and letting madman ruin your country? He's not going to do that. He's in on the stuff, too. Sure, he doesn't like him, but he likes money. He likes money more (laughs) than anything else, more than people, just like Trump. Bezos isn't offering health care. He's not letting his workers unionize. You know, I drove down to Annapolis from New York, Jimmy. You know how many Amazon warehouses I passed in New Jersey, you know, in Maryland and stuff? Like they're massive, Jimmy. Mm. There'll be a time in this country where all you see is Amazon warehouses and trucks on the road. That's all Mm -hmm. it's going to be, you know? So one guy can become so wealthy. It'll be what?
1: It'll be like WALL-E. Have you seen WALL-E before? Where where the robot's going through and it's all the commerce just laying around and it's the same box and label. Pixar is trying to predict the future. If If you actually look at it, man, and lay out a timeline,
0: there's like a whole theory that they're laying out the future. Jimmy's yeah. always asked me. No, I don't know what that is. I've never seen a cartoon movie in my life. I saw Bambi. you got to. They're no, so not. good. I, I'm sure it is. And I know it's got fans. It's not my thing. I saw Bambi in the uh, movie <laughs> theaters when I was a kid and they made one about rock and roll. I saw, but I'm not, I'm not a cartoon guy, Jimmy. Yeah, you know, I, when I told you that, uh, you know, one of my heroes Ed Asner passed away a couple of oh, weeks yeah. ago, <laughs> you were like, Oh, he w- what did you tell me he was in? And I was like,
1: he, uh, the guy, the movie I remember him in was he voiced the old man in Up.
0: Yes. Um, yeah, and I don't know what yeah. Up is. His name was yeah. Lou Grant, Jimmy. He was on Mary Tyler Moore. Show. I remember that show. That's one yeah. of the most iconic shows ever. And then he played Lou Grant on his own spinoff and it was the top show on CBS. Wow. And CBS fired him because he spoke up against American imperialism in Central America in the early 80s. And he spoke up for unions. He was the head of SAG. He put his money where his mouth is. He had the number one show and he got canceled for his political views. And he didn't care, not that it didn't hurt him, but he kept fighting the good fight. I got to interview him last summer when I co-hosted Stuttering John's show and we had him on. John and I were were doing the top of the show and I was on one of these deep rants about how Trump would launder money through condos. And I was explaining like the real estate system in New York and how it used to be co-op boards where you had to explain where you got your money from to move Mm -hmm. into the building. They wouldn't let just anybody move into a building. And then Trump built Trump Tower and just sold them as condos. Meaning if you had the money, you could buy a condo, no questions asked. So you could be a mobster, you could be a Russian oligarch and just buy a bunch of stuff. And Trump didn't care, right? And Mm -hmm. it degraded the, the value of the city and put all kinds of questionable people and allowed them to launder money. And I'm explaining this like in a deep dive and Ed Asner comes on the screen and he's eating a bowl of cereal. You know, and John, John's like, hey, Noel, I got to stop you. Ed's here. And Ed's like, hey, I'm glad to be here. But that's some important information that Noel's given out to everybody. So I defer to him. Let him keep talking. And I was like, oh, my God, (laughs) you know, and I finished up my rap real quick. But it was the honor of a lifetime. I mean, that guy was a warrior and he was a brilliant actor. You would probably like uh, this show that just came out. It's kind of for kids, but you would like it. It was uh, Karate Kid. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't mean the movie. The, I'm the original? Or... No, no, the movie is great. Yeah, I saw it at the movie theater. They, they made a Netflix series of Karate Kid that you would enjoy, Jimmy. And Ed Asner plays the dad on it. And he's great. Cool. Yeah, I'll definitely
1: check that out, man.
0: I um, can't believe you haven't seen that. That's like made for you, Jimmy. You will like it.
1: No, I'll have to do it with my professional wrestling uh background you know kind of similar thing oh you'll love it you'll love it it's
0: actually good it's very kitschy and good I'm not dissing it it's just obviously made for teenagers which is what I like you know I like those that are like lighthearted and not like a lot of violence and stuff but uh so Ed Asner you know we lost him and he's a legend and you know I was drove past Baltimore through Baltimore Annapolis is next to Baltimore Michael K Williams you know from The Wire you know one, one of the great actors of his generation and a guy who just oozed authenticity and truth and lived it and lived his struggles and people loved him for it, not for the struggle, but for the glory. And, uh, I have a lot of friends that were very close with him. I didn't know him. I ran into him once in Uniqlo, at, which is a clothing store in New York. And I don't get uh star struck in like, we were both like standing in line to, to go into the changing rooms or something. And I could barely talk. It was super cool guy though. And, uh, As I said, some friends of mine were very, very close with him. You know, and, you know, sadly, addiction is a disease, you know, and it claims you sooner or later. It took, took some, it doesn't have to, but uh, unfortunately it does. And now it's like, you can't even mess around with it. There's nothing he did that I haven't done in my life, but now there's fentanyl and everything. So you do cocaine, you do heroin, you do this stuff. you, You could just die. Like it's Russian roulette, a bunch of comedians two weeks ago, the same weekend he died, died in LA. At a party, they just thought they were doing cocaine and had poison in it. All drugs are poison. It was never a safe thing to do, Jimmy. But now it's just like it can be instantly deadly. And it's scary. It's scary out there. You know, and if you if you're struggling, I don't know. People struggle all across the the board. But if you're struggling with any addiction or something, you could always reach out to me. and, And there's always a hand out there to help you. You know, this guy was in his penthouse in Brooklyn. You know, he had achieved the heights of success. You know, he was universally revered. He had a phenomenal career, but you let your guard down and, and and a disease will sneak up with you. And I certainly don't know, you know, what was going through his head that day, but we're always, you know, those of us in recovery, it's one day at a time, man, you, you never have this thing beat, you know, and you have to really stay on top of it. And, uh, you know, I don't know where he was at. I'm not speaking to that. I'm just speaking to the fact that sometimes you don't get a second chance, he didn't that day. Philip Seymour Hoffman, same thing. You know, just another incredible actor. I was doing the Super Bowl the day he passed and they buried him at a church down the street from my house or my apartment in Park Avenue. And I happened, and I loved him. I, I met him at the Tonys, you know, one of my heroes as an actor. And I remember they were bringing his coffin out of the steps of Loyola, you know, this this church in, on uh, 84th and Park. And, and it was a cold winter day you know, it was like the end of January. And I remember, you know, seeing the crowd of mourners there his family and friends and his daughter standing there and they're just carrying his casket, you know, down the steps and putting it in a hearse. And I was like, man, you know what I'm saying? This guy was alive a month ago or two weeks ago or whatever, you know, and you go through some, some tough times and it was the same thing. He died the same way. I think it was fentanyl and stuff. There's no, uh, it's just, it's just dangerous. Like if, if you're, if you're struggling with this stuff now that you don't even have the time, like, oh, I'll get off it tomorrow or next month. Like, why are you smiling, Jimmy? Is this funny?
1: No, it's not funny.
0: <laughs> no. It, it, I, uh... it's dangerous. It's Russian roulette. And it's, it's a horrible thing to watch. Another guy, uh an Australian actor, just beautiful guy, great actor. Oh, uh, Heath Ledger. Heath, Heath Ledger. Ledger. So Heath yeah. Ledger, I did a show with before he passed away. It was his tribute to David Bowie. It was a David Bowie's charity. He and Iman had a charity, and Bono was being honored. And we did this event at the Hammerstein in New York City. And I was like checking people in. I was like the talent check in desk or something. And Heath came up to me, and I barely recognized him. Mm. You know, he was clearly struggling and, and using and out of it. And it was scary. And I remember when he walked away from the table, I told a colleague of mine, I'm like, tell me that's the same guy that's in these movies because he just looked so bad. And he was dead pretty quickly thereafter. And I, re- I I'm in recovery, it's it's no secret, you know, and and I've been on this path for about 16 years. And you know, it's not a straight path. You fall down, you get back up. But I, I was probably a year out of, of rehab at that point. And I, I go to a meeting, you know, an AA meeting that that happens to be right near Frankie Campbell, which is the Funeral home in New York City where all the celebrities get buried. You know, it's where Biggie Smalls was laid to rest. And, you know, if you're rich, it's the Upper East Side kind of rich person's funeral home. And Heath Ledger was there. Right. Mm -hmm. I was in an AA meeting. And this guy who had everything that I dreamed about having when I went to drama school, famous, good looking, brilliant actor with an incredible career, was across the street on ice, basically, until his family could come and have a funeral and collect his body because he's Australian. And I remember that getting in my head. Like, you may look at somebody and think they have everything you want. But if they have the disease of addiction and alcoholism, you don't have anything if you don't have sobriety. Right. You follow my point? You know, I was like, man, I'm sitting here in a church basement and I was just out of rehab. You know, it wasn't like I was building my life back up. But what mattered was showing up every day, one day at a time for my recovery, you know, and all the cash and prizes you get in life don't keep you sober is the point I'm trying to make. That guy had everything on paper and didn't make it. And he was a beautiful soul, you know, incredible actor, touched many lives. And that's a gift. And you never know how long you you have on this planet. All of these people I just mentioned made glorious use of their talents and their lives should be celebrated. We shouldn't remember how they passed away, but we should be aware that it's addiction is a disease, Jimmy. If you had diabetes, you would take your medicine, right? You would take insulin. If you had diabetes, you wouldn't forget and be like, well, maybe my diabetes went away. But when you're an addict or an alcoholic, that's how you get. You're like, ah, it was a long time ago. Maybe I'm better now. You know, I don't need to do this every day. I'm busy, blah, blah, blah. That's how you trip up. So how you counter that is you continue to be of service. You know, you continue to try to help other people and uh no matter what's going on, you make your meetings and you uh you know, you stick out your hand. And that's something I do. You know, I was on a meeting before this podcast, you know, I'll be on one later tonight. I spoke last Sunday. I speak all the time and tell my story. If you think these stories are interesting on this podcast, you guys should hear what I say in meetings, man, because uh, oh, yeah. it was crazy. But anyway, uh, so that's, that's a pretty fun, comedic <laughs> rant and take for you guys you know I had somebody well do you want should we talk more politics or I had somebody who came to my show who wants to hear a ghost story yeah and, and I didn't get to, to to tell the ghost story and I told her I would tell it on the podcast she wanted me to tell it in the nightclub you know in the music club where the show was Maryland has lots of ghosts Jimmy oh and, really yeah Maryland is a very haunted place because it was like you know Civil War era kind of sure. place so all those places that, you know, used to have like Civil War field hospitals and stuff. And my uncles would live in all these old haunted houses. Do you believe in ghosts? Yeah, I think they're around. I
1: I wouldn't go into a haunted house necessarily, but uh, I believe that they're around. Yeah, no question.
0: Dude, we're, I I my mom, you know, was kind of into all that kind of stuff. And I remember one night we got stuck at Gettysburg at dusk. You know what Gettysburg is, right? You know, Mm -hmm. the national battlefield. It's a memorial now. It's like a state, you know, a national park or whatever. And we were there late, right? So the sun started coming down. It was like late fall or something. So we got kind of caught in -hmm. there as the sun went down and this mist started like appearing in the field. And it wasn't like one ghost. It was like 300 400 you just started seeing ghosts and your hair stood up and it was like freaky and mm-hmm. we couldn't get out of there fast enough and we kept making like wrong turns and stuff it was terrifying and i've i've had similar stories like that my whole life but this one time i was living in an old kind of civil war era farmhouse in burtonsville maryland i was living there with two lesbians and a pot pig as one does and uh, one of which was my mom but um so i'm there and, and i wanted to go stay with her and her girlfriend you know i was in my early 20s and, and sort of back from florida and bouncing around and they're like come stay with us but you know this house is haunted and i'm like "I don't, i don't care you know what i mean i've been around ghosts my whole life what do i care so i was in this guest bedroom and they're like no it really is haunted if you hear anything at night you know don't don't let it bother you so i'm laying in this guest bedroom And uh, there's a guest bedroom and then there's like a foyer, like upstairs living room and a stairwell and then a couple other bedrooms, one of which, you know, my mom was in. And uh, I hear this like banging around in this old kitchen downstairs, like I'm laying in bed and I sort of hear like a little rustling around in the kitchen that isn't like the dog or the pig, you know, or the cats in the house, right? There's two cats, you know, a pig and a dog. I hear this movement downstairs and I'm like, oh, maybe that's the ghost. Well, no big deal. You know, it's downstairs and then I hear a creak on the stairwell. Mm-hmm. I hear like the old wooden stair creak. And I'm like, "Oh, well that's that's kind of a little bit worse, but I'm cool." <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and then I start hearing it coming up the stairs. Mm-hmm. Like I hear footsteps coming up the stairs. And I realize like, "Well, I'm kind of stuck now because the stair is between my bedroom and where their bedroom is." You know, because I'm starting to get a little scared like You're sitting there by yourself in this room, you know, and you you got that feeling like I got the goosebumps and everything. And I hear it get all the way to the top of the stairs. And at this point, I'm a little scared. You know, I'm laying there in bed because I'm kind of trapped in this room. And I'm like, well, I'm just going to stay here. I'm cool. I'm not scared. I hear it get all the way up the top of the stairs. I don't hear anything else. And then about a minute later, right on top of me, I hear breathing like, oh. Like right above my head, I hear breathing, dude. I flew out of that bed so quickly, ran across the hall to my mom's bedroom where she is with her girlfriend. And every animal was in that room. Everybody in that house, even the animals, sensed the presence, right? Right. It was freaky, dude. And like you didn't hear any wind rustling outside, no leaves or anything. It was just this silence. And we all stood in there. And it lasted like another five minutes and then it lifted. Like you could just feel the energy shift and it lifted and the dogs and cats kind of got back up and like walked out of the room and you could hear the wind rustle outside again. And you could just tell that whatever was there had passed. And the next morning we went outside and there was an old tree next to this house. And there was like a plaque, like an old stone plaque that had initials on it. And it was turned up against the base of this tree and it was the initials of the guy who built the house like this old farmer who built this house in like the 1860s or something it was no it was nuts dude (laughs) i was like damn and my friend you know i told my friends about it and people in that town kind of already knew the house was haunted they like they rented it my mom and stuff and the people like who worked in the restaurant with me would like only drop me off at the bottom of the driveway (laughs) <laughs> there was a long driveway and it was like on a kind of farm. I mean, it just looked haunted, you know? Like if you just drove up, you're like, yep, that shit's haunted. And yeah, people would only drop me at the bottom of the driveway. They're like, I'm not even driving up there. And I had a couple of friends come and stay in the house from time to time and they all got creeped out and left, you know? But it was sort of just like that energy checking in with you and seeing, you know, letting you know it's there. But that time was scary, (laughs) you know, that was like because it was just like I didn't hear anything. And then I heard breathing on top of my right on top of my face.
1: Well, living in an old farmhouse in Indiana, you know, there's old creeks in this house that you'll hear where you're like, what's that? You know, and with ever since my dad's passed and even beforehand, I feel my relatives around me all the time. I feel their energy. So, you know, it's just a vibration in a different level.
0: Exactly.
1: Um, That's all about yeah. Yeah. It's all the same thing. We're just kind of tuned into this dial, You and I know right now. And then when we move on, we'll be tuned into another thing, you know, yeah. we move on to the next thing. So.
0: Exactly. It's all vibrations, brother. My cat visited me in my dreams. My cat passed <laughs> away. Well, he, he, my cat was my best friend. He passed away like awesome. on Friday four years ago, you know, and uh, he's buried out by the pond, but you know, he like vividly came to me in my dream last night. Cause it's the anniversary of his passing. And in the days after he passed, I got sort of like his presence. I was doing a show called the Global Citizens Festival. And uh, and, and it was in my old neighborhood where, I, where I, when I got the cat, you know, we lived down in the village and we were doing these rehearsals down in the village at a Skirball Center, part of NYU. And I got sort of this message from him. You know, you just got this kind of like sense. It was this thing I saw that had significance, you know, to me and the cat. And then I felt his presence, you know, it was a day after he had passed away. I hadn't even buried him yet. You know, it was just sort of like laying in rest. And uh, I got this message and it was like, whenever you're present, like whenever you're aware of the breath coming in and out of your nose, I'll be there. I'll be there with you. Do you know what I'm saying? It was just like, look, I didn't go anywhere. I'm here, but you have to be present to feel me. And if you're ever breathing and breathing in and out, you're there. I'm there, you know, love doesn't leave us. Like I told you about your dad, Jimmy, it doesn't go anywhere. The no. My cat passed away on a Sunday morning next to me. A- and the last thought, it was like a message. And he was like, look, you got to take care of yourself now. Like you can't just like zone out and get stoned and watch TV and whatever. Because <laughs> my cat was my protector. I got sober because my cat looked at me and was like, what are you doing? You know, because <laughs> it was just like me and my cat living in this house in the Hamptons and I was bottoming out 16 years ago. And, uh, you know, my cat was really like what, what got me to seek help more than anything else. And I did a PBS show about this. That's on the nature program. There's something called why people love cats and dogs. And I, I talk about this so people can look it up if they want more details, but that was the sort of last message from my cat. Like, you know, you, you got this, I got to go now you got this, but like, don't forget the lessons in love that we shared together. Right. Yeah. And that's what you, you know, your dad gave you a lifetime of love you know, yeah. you didn't get them that long, but you got them 25, 26 years. That's I, yeah, a lot. You know, that's long, you know, and, and people aren't getting their family that long now. And it's completely unavoidable. That's the tragedy. There's there's a lot of orphans. They're going to be COVID orphans. You know, that's pathetic, you know, because they lived in a state where their parents believed that governor Abbott was telling them yeah. they didn't need to get vaccinated or DeSantis or something, you know, some millionaire who's damn well vaccinated and damn well has masks on the staff you don't think the staff that's cleaning the governor's mansions in florida and and texas are wearing masks (laughs) bet your fucking bottom dollar they're wearing masks you know and getting checked and showing vaccination cards just to get in the building guarantee it well and i
1: i think about my dad all the time because you know september 9th 2019 was when he passed september 22nd was the day that we had his uh, celebration of life. And it was gonna be his birthday, uh, his 69th birthday. And obviously didn't make it in time to see it. But um, one great story from there was that I went by the band and it had been members of my dad's band who was there to just you know play some music and celebrate his life. And uh, there was a monarch butterfly attached to, it was like a netting that you, you could see through and a really nice outdoor area. And it stayed for three hours, you know, and it made me think he's right by the band. That's where he would be, you know, so they're there. You just got to look a little harder.
0: Exactly, buddy. And you got to stay open to those signs from nature. Nature is magical. You know, after we get off this podcast, I'm going to go sit by my pond and look at dragonflies all day and butterflies. Like butterflies are so amazing. You know, you know, I don't know if you know this, but like we let our. Our meadow go. We have like four acres, and we don't mow it because it's a meadow, right? And it's like it now. It's now it's the time of year where it's full of full of goldenrod and Queen Anne's lace and all these little flowers and stuff. And the butterflies and bees are super happy, like they're completely stoked, you know. And there's gazillions of them, and there's hardly any of those left on the planet that you know. Or we're losing them. It's the pollinator pathway. I'm sorry, the pollinator pathway, but. Like you lose the, bur- the bees and the butterflies, you don't have crops anymore unless you want this generic Monsanto crap, you know, <laughs> but my neighbor's got, you know, three, four acres and he mows it. He had a lawn service come yesterday for four hours and now he's going to do it later today just for fun. You know, it looks like a carpet. He's just, he doesn't know what to do with himself. He has like OCC or whatever. What do, what do you call that? OD? OCD. OCD. Yeah. Yeah. He's got <laughs> yeah. like lawnmower OCD. <laughs> Like, you know what I mean? I want to be like, don't you like football? Like it's Sunday, go inside and watch TV like other guys like you, you know, but he's just like, he has to be riding on this mower and you smell all the exhaust and the noise pollution, you know, and then my, my side of the thing is like hippie wonderland. And I'll sit (laughs) there and watch all these. And I got herons. I got three different species, you know, of herons that come in there and stuff and turtles and little fish and Bogs. My point is it's magical. Nature is magical. Like I never got why people didn't like think that the things that were free were the most valuable. Like when I was a kid, I would see you'd get toys and all this stuff. And then I'd go out in the Creek in Crofton, Maryland, where I lived as a little kid. And I'd see like a newt, like a salamander. And I'd be like, Oh my God, like that thing is just walking around. You know what I mean? Like that thing is just coming out of the earth and living here. And nobody puts a value on that. But you put a value on a little matchbox car that somebody gives you as a gift. And you're like, oh, it's cool. I got a toy. You're living in a world that's amazing. That's Mm -hmm. a miracle. People should look at butterflies and be like, oh, my God, how does this exist? This is the coolest thing ever. And they're fast. And if you watch two butterflies play with each other, which I have tons of them, you know, and they circle each other and just fly through the air, it's mesmerizing. Clouds are mesmerizing sunsets you know like I saw a beautiful sunset last night I don't understand why sunsets aren't church like the whole world should be like hey y'all the sunsets happening now let's stop what we're doing and check out this sunset Mm -hmm. because it's a gift it's glorious and it shows you how much bigger everything is right you know I saw the moon last night was so bright it was amazing it's like one of these big harvest moons or something you know there's all this stuff around us that's If you could make it up or create it, you'd be like, it would be valued. Do you you follow you you follow my point? It's like everything that's free and and natural is amazing. But but you got, you know, Elon Musk is trying to get on a rocket ship and go to space. Why? Why? It's dark. (laughs) You know, you don't need to be there yet. But that's the world we live in. And and part of that is programming, because not all societies live that way. Any sort of like indigenous people is much more, are much more in tune with nature and the cycles of nature. You know, Native Americans had it down and we came here and slaughtered them. You know, it's like slaughtering a wealth of information that you'll never get back. Now we don't know how anything works, right? And you think you need to dump chemicals and have big, you know, petrochemical plants and stuff. And you think you need all this machinery and stuff to grow crops, and we've killed the soil in all these regions. So now you have to dump chemicals on it to even grow anything, you know, and the corn you're eating is genetically engineered. It'll probably give you cancer or something.
1: Well, Idiocracy was one, one of my favorite movies growing up. And, you know, it fast forwards to America in the future and uh, they have people pouring Gatorade <laughs> into the ground. They're like, it has electrolytes. It'll make it grow. You That's know, funny. like yeah. we're, we're on the path to that. We're getting there uh, faster than I anticipated, but all the scientists have been calling for this the last 50 years. We just didn't want to listen. That that's the issue.
0: And well, and people don't want you to listen. Yeah. Oil companies that now own the minority political party, the GOP, but the, the loudest one, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Marjorie Taylor Green is nothing. As I said, she should be bare knuckle fighting behind a truck stop dumpster getting paid in loose cigarettes and beef jerky. That should be her job. She should be kicking the shit out of truck drivers and people are placing bets because the angry little woman is knocking men on their ass. You know, she is a rodent. Do you know what I mean? I don't mean that like calling another person. She's just like a human badger that, that eats meth and ground glass. Like she just smells. You look at her and you're like, that person stinks just from the inside out. She's just like rotting human flesh walking around with bug eyes and methamphetamine, you know, and about five brain cells and no actual knowledge, okay? And she posed in a commercial yesterday with a fucking massive rifle, you know, with a kind of rifle (laughs) that blows up a tank and isn't even wearing like ear pieces and eye protection. And almost eats the the gun stock as as you know malcolm nance pointed out like the scope almost went in her mouth because she doesn't even know how to hold it and she closed her eyes when she shot it but the point of her commercial she mentions nancy pelosi and says i'm gonna blow up socialism and Mm. she blows up a prius with this massive gun that cost 10 grand this big military weapon and she's giving the gun away in a raffle to raise money (laughs) is giving a weapon of war away, made a commercial, right? And it was on everyone's Twitter feed yesterday. And this speaks to your earlier point, like, should we ignore this? You can't ignore that kind of insanity. But my point is, that's louder than the sensible people than a real congressman who's just doing her work. Somebody like AOC, who has the guts to send a message, you know, mm-hmm. to go to the place of glamour, look more glamorous than anyone else and have a beautiful message on her beautiful dress right and then you got marjorie taylor green like i'm gonna blow some shit up and a lot of this country's like hey that's funny but it's still a minority part of the country and by minority I, i don't mean minority like i'm not talking about demographics i don't mean minorities i mean a smaller amount than the good people but they couch it in these terms of like You know, like there was a headline about the the recall in California and they said liberal cities outnumbered the vast rural areas and their choices and their opinion for a recall. You know, you're sort of giving too much credit to these rural voters that are supporting insanity like recalls. They don't know what the fuck they're doing at this point. They're reacting to the commercial of the gun. They're reacting to somebody saying Newsom is a socialist. They've been bought and paid for a big chunk of this country has been straight up brainwashed and it's going to be incumbent upon us to change the hearts and minds of their children. They're a lost cause. We see them every day. All the QAnon Karens and all these freaks, dudes freaking out on planes. They don't want to, those guys are toast. They're done. Unless you get a national, like you need a 12 step program for like MAGA people. Like you have to admit you're powerless over this disinformation that what you thought was a good thing for you was actually poison. Trump was actually poison, right? Jim Jordan is poison. He would have let your son get molested and not said a thing about it, which he did to hundreds of students when he was a teacher, right? These guys are scumbags. They should be in jail. Dan Crenshaw would not be in Congress if his district wasn't gerrymandering. He'd be a cartoon figure signing autographs at gun shows and telling people how his eye got poked out. Was he a hero? No, that's not a hero. You're not a hero to me just because you went to battle. I know the guys that were like, I know a lot of special forces guys and you'd say thank you for their service. And they'd be like, don't thank me. I like doing it, bro. (laughs) Like those guys that like killing people, let's be real about it. And that the SEALs and those guys that get into these elite elite agencies that's like there's a lot of white supremacy involved in that who gets advanced into these things into the leadership positions of these special forces okay so dan crenshaw was probably a dick long before he became a navy seal then they use that information because he's not protecting anybody that's why i say he's not a hero i'm not saying you're not a hero for doing service i'm saying you're not a hero because you came home and you wouldn't protect your constituents from a fatal disease by telling right. him to wear a mask and get vaccinated because you pledged your fealty to a corrupt president who was in bed with Putin. And if you're so smart and elitist and a Navy SEAL, you tell telling me you didn't really know that? You can't really figure out that every decision he had to make militarily sided with Putin, right? Mm-hmm. That his Taliban peace deal benefited Putin, right? So these guys are scumbags in the trappings of patriotism, in the trappings of militarism. And it's become a toxic poison at this point. And if you dare say anything about it, then you get attacked. Well, you're unpatriotic, bro. You can't question these guys. Why? Both of those wars were bullshit. We now see that. It's pretty much established fact that we didn't need to be in Iraq or Afghanistan. We certainly didn't leave either of those places better off. And the resulting toxic, ethnocentric, nationalistic fervor that the sort of cosplay of fighting these wars, of this imagery of a screaming eagle, a patriot American, you know, fighting against the Taliban or whoever it is, it turned (laughs) on us. Like these American guys look like Taliban. They all got these big beards. They got these pickup trucks. A truck went by my house. You know, I'm going to mention pickup trucks. Can't let it (laughs) happen. A pickup truck went by my house yesterday with a big American flag sticking out the back on a pole, like mounted on the thing. Some guy had a truck with a big LCD screen driving around the suburbs of New York saying COVID is from the CCP. You know, the CCP gave us COVID. That's the Chinese Communist Party. Right. They're active warriors spreading disinformation that came from Putin via Donald Trump. And the whole party that supported them because they knew it was really easy to manipulate people with this bullshit and that they would get these loud vocal supporters like Marjorie Taylor Greene and all these other people to make these cosplay commercials all the time. And they knew that the mainstream media would eat it up because it was so like it was so easy to sell that shit. You know, it was like, oh, people are going to tune in to see this crazy freak show and we're going to make a lot of money. And The New York Times is playing along with all of that stuff. And it's created a cycle that's dangerous and you have to become aware of it and look at it from the outside because it's nasty. You know, you stop using lead paint on homes because it causes cancer and, and makes people sick and gives them lead poisoning and stuff. Right. It took a long time to do that. It took a long time to make that kind of stuff illegal. It's the same way with what we have going now. It's gonna take a long time. This is not gonna just even out in a year or two, but they are losing steam, okay? They're gonna become even more marginalized. I think ultimately it is seen for quite a joke now And I think, sadly, that COVID is going to be a bit of an equalizer. I think, you know, these hospitals are filling up, like you said, Jimmy. By the end of October, November, those football fans, you know, opening day isn't going to look so sweet anymore. (laughs) And you're on a ventilator. You're not going to care who won game seven and eight of the season, who's going to the bowl games. And that's sad because it didn't have to happen. And it's life and death, and it's horrific.
1: I don't know if you saw this headline, no, but uh, the Colts are actually going to be on – hbo with hard knocks during the season typically they only do a season of that during training camp and like the first few games of preseason but you know the nfl and hbo is going to be in the colts facility week to week you know another distraction on top of the roster that we're trying to put on the field but it'll be really interesting if covid continues to get worse and a on a team that doesn't have very high vaccination rate are they even going to be able to play a game week to week you know is hbo going to have enough content to put a hour together And, you know, Indiana University had a packed stadium for their college football game this weekend. It's a countrywide problem. We've become too selfish with our own ambitions. Along the way, we have to try to help our neighbors. Or what are we even doing? What are we doing on
0: this planet if we're not trying to help each other? Well, we're in the midst of it, man. We're we're, we're all in this kind of crazy experiment, and it's not over yet, you know, but we can each do our part. You know, we can each stay positive. We can each stick out our hand and help the next guy. We could certainly wear a mask in public places. I think that's pretty much a no-brainer. You can get vaxxed if you're not. If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't gotten vaccinated, I'd be quite surprised. But (laughs) do it. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to make your testicles swell up. That's the Nicki Minaj rush. Right? Nicki, I've worked with Nicki a ton. Nikki yeah. has like oppositional defiance disorder. She's just a complete pain in the ass. Ask anybody who's ever done production with Nicki Minaj. She is just a freaking nightmare. And I could sit here for another half an hour and just tell you horror stories of her backstage. And the last time we did an NBA all-star game in New York when she was on it and she disappeared because she wanted to go eat with her people and like get high and stuff. So she disappeared like... Right before the top of the show. Right. And it was uh, Christina Aguilera was opening the show and she was like performing with her, I think. And I remember I went downstairs in the garden and she pulled into the loading dock and she's like, am I late when she got back out? And I was like, you have 30 seconds to get back up on the court. And I remember her eyes just bugging out and her running and hauling ass. And I remember other times where, you know, at other all-star games and stuff where she just like left behind 70 pieces of luggage in the dressing room and just expect (laughs) production staff to carry it all up to her car. You know, she's just entitled, just lame. I'm a big hip hop fan, so I'm not dissing, you know, her music, but she's a pain in the ass behind the scenes. I scared her one other time too, because Madonna was coming in. We were doing a VMAs at Radio City and she stopped to pose to take pictures of her ass, like her glam squad wanted to photograph her ass. So she was doing like ass shots. And I was like, hey, I'm about to bring Madonna through here. You guys got to clear her out. She was like, oh shit, Madonna coming through here? I ain't fucking with Madonna. And she listened to me and got out of the way, which is pretty funny. Obviously she said a stupid thing this week, you know? And then she got all her online trolls to attack anybody who called her out on it. Joy Reid rightly called her out on it. You know, Joy Reid's a big hip hop fan. Ain't messing with the culture, but you, know, you don't know what the hell you're talking about, Nicki Minaj, you ain't doing research. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah, stop it, stop it, you know? Cause you're gonna get people killed. You, you're gonna get people killed. You barely got people to take this vaccine. And you know, I don't want to just go after Nicki Minaj. Eric Clapton is a fucking moron now too. You know, and I'm a guitar player who grew up loving Eric Clapton and I've worked with Clapton. I wasn't even gonna tell you my Eric Clapton stories. And I'll tell them on another episode, but like I did a gig with Clapton and Keith Richards and they got in a fight and didn't speak again for 10 years. And I'll take Keith's side on that, you know, but um, uh, yeah, I'll tell you my Clapton stories. But Clapton's an asshole. He posed with Greg Abbott at a concert in Texas last week. He posed with him backstage. It, Jimmy Vaughn, who's awesome, you know, an awesome guy in sobriety. Jimmy was in the picture, too. But Jimmy lives in Texas, so he can almost excuse it. But Clapton posing. You know, after all his anti-vax stuff, you're going to pose with Governor Abbott? Like, that's pathetic. But um, that's how it rolls. So I, I'm calling him out because I called out Nicki Minaj. I don't want to, I'm not, you know, this isn't a a, a racial thing. I love hip hop. I love rock and roll. If you're a musician, shut the hell up. Like, if you're not telling people to get vaccinated, then shut up. Okay? Yeah. You need to defer to, like, science. If I want to know how to play a blues scale, I'll call you up. Okay. <laughs> Right but but I don't need your opinion on vac on anti vax stuff. It's the height of irresponsibility, and uh it's making the job harder you know it's got making me. everything harder because people listen to these you know she's got twenty two million followers. nobody you know I don't think anybody really respects Clapton anymore. us guitar players like him, but he's an asshole and uh fuck him that's that's the <laughs> message message for this week Yeah, so, sorry, it took me a while i I kind of held my held my tongue about Clapton but now once I saw that picture with Abbott you know it's not to mention the abortion stuff and just he's lost his mind he married a girl from Ohio you know he's hanging out in Ohio he got Clapton went all Ohio and he was a racist back in the day when he was an alcoholic and stuff a lot of English guys are very racist you know obviously but um anyway that's enough out of me for this week Jimmy what do you want to plug brother
1: Everybody check out my website, jbkonair.com. You can
0: follow me on Twitter and Instagram, jbkonair. All right. And Noel Kassler at noelkassler.com. And find me on Twitter. Had a great time in Annapolis last week. Everybody had a great time. And you're going to get a chance to see that up here in the Northeast. Norwalk, Connecticut, the Wall Street Theater. I'm going to be there November 18th. It's going to be an amazing show. It's a nice theater. And we're going to have a good time. So come on out. Details on my website. Until next week, take care of each other, folks. I love you and I'll talk to you soon. Peace.